it's like yeah it, it was amazing being in places where you knew jesus was and he stood and he preached the gospel and he did signs and wonders and like you know that for a fact um and personally i think what even touched me more wasn't the places but the person of christ in it is i kind of went through the trip like really expecting this big spiritual moment you know to be like oh yeah i went to israel and this happened and my faith was just really solidified here and this is was the turning point and i think you hear so many testimonials like that of going to israel like it changed my life and it was an incredible trip but jesus changed my life amen Welcome to this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. I have with me today two second-year students who've just returned from the Israel trip, and I thought it would be fun to hear from them and just what the trip was like. We have Grace Nicholas with us. Hi, Grace. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for being here. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. Good. Okay. And then also we have Christian Vigil. Hi, Christian. Shalom. I learned that one in Israel. Did you? Yeah. So you were paying attention. That's great. Oh, yeah, I was. Well, it's good to have you guys. I appreciate it. You know, we were supposed to sit down yesterday and record this episode, but I got a migraine and you guys were uh, gracious enough to, you know, get the, you know, go back to your supervisors again and try to get permission to come today. And I, I appreciate you doing that. It's good to have you with me. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit first about just get the, so our audience gets to know you a little bit before we start to talk about the trip. Let's start with Grace. Ladies first. Grace, uh, tell us where you're from. I'm from Wiley, Texas. Grew up in Texas my entire life. Where's Wiley? Ooh, somewhere near Dallas. Okay. Yeah. I so you're from yeah, a little north of here. Yeah, I couldn't tell you north, south, east, or west. Okay. Well, that would be north of here. Perfect. Okay. And so, Grace, are um, now, you're in your second year. How did you hear about His Hill? A friend back home knew Rachel Walgmoot, who's here as the head of housekeeping. And she knew that I had been looking for a Bible school to go some, like a gap year program just to learn more about the Lord. And she suggested The Hill. And I never heard of it before. And I looked it up online, watched the video and thought, wow, that seems perfect for me. So I came for a taste and see and really loved it. And then I did my first year and loved it. And then I came back for a second year. Good. Yeah. And it's been fun having you. You've uh, spent some time with my daughters and with my wife. You've been down to the house a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, the way I, I got to tell people the way I've learned your name, how I remember your name. Uh, Grace, it's an easy name, but, you know, you always have to have these tricks when you're meeting people. And so for Grace, it's always been poor Grace. Oh, yes. Poor Grace. <laughs> and the, that comes from anybody that likes um, old movies. There's a movie with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz called The Long, Long Trailer. And there's a, a, a character in there, and they just always refer to her as Poor Grace. Now, you look nothing like <laughs> Poor Grace, and your life is nothing like Poor Grace's <laughs> life. But it just is something that has made it easier for me. So every time I see Grace, I think Poor Grace. Oh, Poor Grace. <laughs> poor, Poor Grace. You told me that in choir. I did tell you that, yeah, when you were in choir last year. Okay, so now, um, Christian, where are you from? I am from all around Texas as well. I was born in Rockwall, Texas. Um, I've moved around uh, to Colorado for a little bit uh, during elementary school, Um, lived in Austin for a little bit, Um, and as of my, since I've been in eighth grade, 
in the hill country. Okay. But uh, I guess most recently it's been Comfort, Texas. Yeah, you live right here in Comfort. Yeah. yeah. We don't get a whole lot of students from Comfort, but from time to time it, it happens. It's neat. Yeah. Um, and also for those who are alumni that are listening and ha- are alumni from years ago, you might be thinking, wow, you've got two students from Texas. Yeah, well, we've got more than just two students from Texas. There was a time, guys, when we didn't get very many students from Texas. And and now we get a good number. And so it's uh, it's it's exciting. And even from comfort, we get students. So that's that's really that's really fun to have happen. Yeah, there's a lot of us this year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, my first semester was like two years ago, which is kind of different than a lot of people. And that semester... Texas was in the minority. They were mm-hmm. like only a few handful. And it's it's kind of nice to have as many Texans as we do. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it is. You know, knowing that well, the school's in Texas, it's nice to have Texans come. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, let's find out a little bit more about you guys. Grace, uh, what kind of home did you grow up in? Was it a Christian home? Yes, I grew up in a Christian home, and I have Christian heritage on both sides of my family. It's been a huge blessing uh, all growing up. And... I am one of nine kids, so that's fun. I'm the middle child, so there's four kids above me and four below me. Okay. And that's been fun, but yeah. Okay. And what about you, Christian? Um, Yeah, I was uh, born to two loving Christian parents, but uh, we were, it was a a very interested, like, blended family. I I grew up with two half-brothers on my mom's side and a half-sister on my dad's side, Um. And there were some complications with that for sure. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we all grew closer in Christ. And, mm. um, you know, now more than ever, I feel like he's being glorified in our lives. So mm. I'm just thankful for that. Amen. That's great. So uh, when did you guys become believers? Christian, when did you become a Christian? Um, I, it was so um, it was around when I was eight or nine ish. Um, uh, like I said, there's complications in my family. My sister ended up moving in with her uh, real mom. Okay. Um, and at that time, my my parents were just like kind of there. Th- we were handling a lot, and I was handling it a lot too. I was a little kid, and I kind of had blamed myself for my sister leaving, and so I was pretty distraught. Um, but then I we we always went to church, um, and at the time we were going to a Presbyterian church, and there I feel like I heard the gospel for the first time, and recognize that like it's not up to me and it's not dependent on me and I realized that if I continued in my own strength that I was just gonna fall which is a lot for like an eight or a Mm. nine-year-old kid to like Mm. kind of figure out but um yeah my parents um were baptizing my older brothers and so I recognized that I wanted to be baptized as well and that I wanted to give my life to Christ and so right then and there I um, surrendered my life to the Lord, and I got baptized in a kiddie pool. <laughs> All right, <laughs> which is which is cool. Not the most conventional, but it definitely was very very real. Okay, great. How old are you now? I'm 21. Okay, so Christian. I mean, we talked to Christian Grace. What about you? When did you become a believer? I was five years old, and I still remember it to this day. Really? Yeah, my dad used. Well, he still does um, lead Bible studies uh, after dinner. Our whole family would have a family meal, and then he would share something that he had learned from the Word that day. And he actually was talking about hell. And as a five-year-old, I understood the importance of it. And my dad tucked me in that night and said goodnight, closed the door, turned off the light, and walked out. And I just laid there thinking, oh, my goodness, if I died tonight, I would not be with Jesus. Mm. 
And you just, I mean, I just had that childlike faith. And so I was terrified and I, I still remember it climbing out of bed and running to my parents' room and getting on their bed and just sitting there and saying, I'm so scared. I want to be with Jesus. And it was a really sweet moment. And my parents, we knelt beside their bed and I invited the Lord to come Mm -hmm. be the Lord of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though I was five, I really truly believe I was saved then. Okay. And so that was five. Mm -hmm. Great. Can I ask how old you are now? You're young enough to where I can do that. Yeah. Okay. So you're 19. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let me ask you guys, uh, either one of you answered first. Uh, You both are well into the second year now. You're on the downhill of the last, the the last year now. So you're what, eight weeks, seven weeks away from, from being done. Yeah. Yeah, That's weird to think about. Yeah. Isn't it? Okay. So tell me what, what, what's the big thing, a big thing that the Lord's done in your heart in being here? Like all time or just this past semester? Yeah, the whole, the whole, uh, your whole time here. Yeah. Uh, I think personally for me, these two years have really been just my journey of falling in love with the Lord. Mm. I grew up in a Christian household and home and I loved the Lord growing up, but I think it's easy when you grow up in a Christian home to just go through the motions and you go to church every time the doors are opened. And so coming here was truly foundational for me to make my faith my own. Mm -hmm. And it's my relationship with the Lord. You know, you won't go to heaven just by, because your parents are Christians. And it was truly things that the Lord had brought me through, through my teenage years, um, full reliance on him. And I think growing small um, in my relationship with him, but then being here, you just learn so much about the Lord and, his love for you and his desire for you to be his child. And so for me, that has been something that over the past two years, I've just personally been learning is getting to know the Lord better. And he is our Abba father. Mm. And also the ties in with that is full dependence on him. Mm. And just knowing that, you know, Bible school to the world isn't, you know, like you don't come out with a degree it just doesn't make sense. Mm. And yet this is what has changed and impacted my life the most. Mm. And so just truly realizing that it's the full dependence on him for the very next day, just his guidance for the very next day. That has been so foundational for me. Okay. Thank wow. you. Yeah. Christian. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with everything Grace said. Um, yeah, when leading up to the hill, I was going a very wayward direction, and I had a lot of pride in my life, so I feel like the past two years, um, I guess the theme of it has been surrender, um, and also just um, developing a true relationship with Christ, and mm-hmm. understanding he's not a part of my life, he is my entire life. Okay. Um, and so it's been a lot of ups and downs, um, it hasn't been easy by any means, um, but each day I just realize more and more, I'm still continually his deepening love for me and how it's infinite. And it's something that I can't like imagine, um, entirely, but I, I know it's there and just seeing how he's worked in my life. Um, and just having to surrender all of myself, like mm. the smallest things like getting out of bed or like getting slightly irritated at someone or myself, um, 
and getting over myself. Um, yeah, because it's not my life. It's Christ mm. and having him take over my life in this capacity is life changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so amazing to really understand what that means now. I feel like, cause it was, it's been happening my whole life, but being at the Hill has helped me understand that it is happening and that it's going to keep happening and that each day I'm going to have to surrender more of myself to him again and again. And through that, I'm going to grow closer to him and I'm going to be able to be um, more just dependent on him. Like Grace was saying, and through that you recognize his love in that and in his faithfulness, like despite our unfaithfulness, like we can, we fall and make so many mistakes, but he is always there for us and Mm. he is always using those mistakes for his good. Mm. Um, And now that our lives are Christ, like that's never going to change. Like he's, Mm. it's not like we lose our salvation. Um, It's not like, you know, we're going to mess up too much to the point. Like, even if we are wayward for years, he pulls us back to him. Like yeah, he's faithful. Yeah, yeah. And it is all just structured so beautifully. It's amazing. And yeah. So good. Um, I, I appreciate that from both of you. Thank the Lord for, you know, his faith, like his faithfulness again, that, mm-hmm. you know, he, it's, you know, it, it, he brings us to this point. You know, he's faithful to bring us to the point of realizing he's the faithful one. Despite us, and you know, and I, I thank him for his patience with that. You know, and and you'll find too as you continue to to grow in the Lord and get older that, wow, you know, Lord, you are so patient. And you know, I think probably we'll yeah. talk about some of that with your your trip, in in, in Israel, and just it, it just you know just some things that I've heard already that we just kind of see the Lord's faithfulness even to Israel today. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, but. Before we get to that, w- one more question. If there's somebody that's listening that's considering coming to his hill, uh, what would you say to them? Um, you know, they're, they're kind of on the fence, don't know if they should or not. What what would you say to them? Pray. Okay. Pray and read the word um, and seek out wisdom from those around you who are maybe spiritual mentors to you um, because you should do it not because you want to but because you know God is calling you there. Okay. Um, and even if there is uncertainty, uncertainty, yes, uncertainty, you can you can take that step of faith because it's it's going to be uncertain regardless. But if you're learn if you're leaning on Him, He's going to lead you down the right path and honor that. Okay, Grace. I think hopping off of Christian, just really prayerfully consider because it's for me. It's been an incredible year and all of my peers around me, you learn so much about the Lord. And I think you truly like come to know your identity in Christ. And so, um, just if you're considering it, truly seek the Lord's guidance on it. I mean, I know when I was thinking about it, it's scary because it's like, I'm not moving away. (laughs) And, uh, that might be the first time you've ever been away from your family for a long time, but this is an investment into your entire life. This is, uh, well, it's the living word of God Mm. and it will continue forever. It's not just something that you'll have for a little bit, but it's something that you take with you and you continue to carry with you. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, it's when people think of going to college or going to Bible school, I think there's a lot of thought of classroom. And, you know, that's very much the case here. I mean, uh, uh, we have 23 hours of class a week. 
and then there's two hours of discipleship. So there's 25 hours of structured instruction time. Um, but there's, and really, you get more Bible. I don't know if you've heard this yet, uh, but you get more Bible in one year of His Hill than you do in four years of a Bible college. And that's, you know, that's incredible because that's yeah. the emphasis in our class to, to get through Scripture. And sometimes we actually do get through all 66 <laughs> books, but usually it's more like 60, um, it's more like 63, 64 books that we get through. But um, even with that, though, you know, I, it's been my experience uh, now part-time staff when I was full-time when I was the principal watching all of this that, and when I was a student, you learn more outside of the class than you do in the classroom because really that's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, you, you hear these things and it's a blessing to hear these things and it's encouraging to hear these things when you're in the classroom. But wow, when you step out and you live in the community, mm. uh, you work in summer camp, you know, if that's what you decide to do, you know, it's, that's where my goodness, you know, so much happens you're both nodding your head. So you've, you've seen the same thing. Yeah, um, I mean, I've I've done summer camp here for two years now, um, and that plus just the community, like that is that is the hard part. It's really easy to sit under teaching that fills your soul um, with scripture. That's amazing, and uh, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to experience. Um, but when you actually have to put that into practice, when it becomes practical, that's when it becomes a challenge. Yeah. Like it's so easy to you know, say, oh, yeah, I, I believe in this. Like, this is really good. This is tickles my ears, whatever. <laughs> um, but life is hard. Like, even in a small community, community, when you're surrounded by believers, it is hard to navigate that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to navigate yourself. Like, people, especially the ones who usually come to the Hill, who range from, like, age 17 to... 22 usually like you're at a stage in life where you really don't have much figured out and um i mean i don't think anyone really has anything figured out as much as christ allows them to and so when you're here he's teaching you through that mm -hmm. and he's teaching you through the challenges and yeah you're gonna like have a hard time sometimes and you're gonna mess up and you're gonna get on some people's nerves and people are gonna get on your nerves but it's so amazing, again, to see Christ's faithfulness mm -hmm, through that mm -hmm. and to see him develop those truly amazing relationships through the fellowship you have. And then in summer camp, being able to not just put his word into practice, but actually teach his word mm -hmm. to children who are there to have fun half the time and mm -hmm. not learn. Like, it is a struggle, but it is so rewarding because all you can do is lean on Christ. Mm -hmm. And that is the amazing part is because... Life is, you are incapable to live life without leaning on God to the truest of your capabilities. Mm. Um, even those who are considered self-sufficient, like they, it is, it's all amounts to nothing without Christ. And right. so. Grace? Oh, sorry. I was just saying, it's, it's cool to have that practicality. Okay. Grace? Yeah, just, that's something, such a good reminder, Christian. Um, but kind of going back to what you said, Kelly, just about, you're in class for 23 hours and then you have the two hours of discipleship and those hour, those 23 hours are incredible and you do learn so much. But personally for me, it has been the relationships that I've built here, mm -hmm. the conversations that I've had, 
It's truly the community of Christ. And I think it was the first time that I've seen that. Um, your brothers and sisters calling you out on something mm-hmm. in love because they love you. Yeah. Yeah. Or encouraging you up in Christ when you're having a rough day. Uh, it, it's incredible. You can go through your day and people can just tell how you're doing. And they ask, hey, how are you? And then they'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. That's what life as Christians should be. Mm-hmm. And that is what has been the most impactful. The classes have been amazing, but it's the everyday moments that truly have shaped my relationship with the Lord is just seeing other believers mm-hmm. around you. Because, I mean, for me personally, I can sit in class and we could be learning about, you know, patience or something. And you're like, well, yeah, of course I'm a patient person, naturally. But then when, you know, curfew and you're trying to sleep and someone's blasting music in the shower you're practicing that right but then it's i think that's truly walking in the lord and just yeah you encourage each other in christ and it's so encouraging it's an incredible community to to practice that you know because you learn these things and then you're actually with believers 24 7 (laughs) you get to put it into practice right away it's really hard to hide Like you said, people look at you and they know something's not right because, you know, you get to know each other so well Mm -hmm. that it's, it's a pretty intense time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in public school my whole life and I was pretty much a wallflower, like not not gaining a lot of attention aside from like extracurriculars maybe. So like it was a real culture shift, (laughs) like a real wake up call being in the hill because everyone is, they got eagle eyes, you know, like everyone's constantly watching and. Everyone knows each other so well because there's just not a ton of people and you're all confined in the small space. And like you either have to be like trying to hide from people or, (laughs) you know, everyone. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. And it's something that you'll cherish and you'll never forget. And that's unique to this community. Right. It really is incredible. I was just reading in Acts today, actually, about the body of Christ and Mm -hmm. how they, you know, would sell everything and then um, support each other. And yeah. that honestly is what it feels like here. Mm. It's just the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters rising up among you and supporting you. And, you know, you walk through a lot of seasons while you're here. Um, and the Lord is, while the Lord is teaching you and convicting you, and you know that you have these brothers in Christ, that these brothers and sisters in Christ that will encourage you and build you up in the Lord. Mm. And that has been the most incredible and the most influential, I would say yeah. okay. for me. And, and you're growing together. Mm-hmm. It's not like everyone has it all figured out. Like you, y'all are in this together. It's a lot less extreme of an environment as like the military, but like a lot of people in the military say that like you are brothers because you are in the thick of it together. Mm. And that is the same here. Like we are yeah. all brethren in Christ and we are going through this state of life together and it's amazing to just know that you're all there for each other Mm. but even more so christ is there for you all and using that fellowship to help you grow okay yeah i appreciate that now both of you are second years okay so first year is the 23 hours of class um second year is a different schedule you have three hours every every morning uh and then you have different kinds of things your afternoons are filled with different types of things and the evenings are filled with homework because you have more homework as a second year uh but how has how's the second year been for you you what's highlights of the second year for you because it is different leadership 
Mm-hmm. I'm not used to being a leader, and I feel like um, this is my first semester, actually, a second year, so not my second semester. Um, and I was just like, I feel like I've already had so many leadership opportunities, and it's amazing knowing that Christ is doing it because I, there's no way that I could lead people on my mm-hmm. own strength. Um, work-wise, um, yeah, it's it's a lot more like, how do, you, how do you describe it? It's very academic commentaries. Like that's a lot of the time what we're reading. And so it, it forces your brain to think almost to a point of exhaustion sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it opens up so much good conversation, and it also, I feel like this year is prepping us for how we have to talk um, about the Christian life coming out of the hill, um, not just to fellow believers, but to unbelievers too. We are being prepped to defend the gospel, to contend for the faith, as our guest speaker this week, Randy Draper, mm-hmm. is mm. saying. Um, yeah, we are we are being trained for that, and it's really cool. Um, but that, yeah, that's slightly different than first year because I feel like first year you're just you're delving into scripture, which is amazing. Like mm-hmm. that is what you're doing. Like, yes, there are some like topics you talk about, but it is scripture, scripture, scripture. And we definitely have scripture second year too. Um, but, but you're looking more at doctrine, theology, yeah, exactly. and, yeah. and, exactly. and other yeah. topics like church history and um, yeah. ecclesiology, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grace? Yeah, it's been really incredible. Yeah, first year is a lot of the Bible, and that is such a good foundation for second year. And the, in second year, one of my highlights has been how you have been learning about this, the Bible for a year and these qualities, and then you get to put them into action for mm-hmm. second year. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the classes are very different. It's a very uh, different style. It is much more discussion-based, so you get to talk amongst your peers about these issues that are happening right around you. Mm-hmm. And then... During we, class. During yeah. class, right. yeah, yeah. In the class hour. Um, and then they also have, in second year, there's like different challenges and I guess activities and that has been a highlight for me. Oh, good. Um, we've done a few runs and hiking trips and just different things um, that actually you wouldn't think that they would have any spiritual like connection at all. But then as you go through it, oftentimes we'll go on an activity and then we'll sit down and discuss it. Mm-hmm. And there are so many spiritual applications. It's really incredible. Yeah, it's like each person has like five each or something. <laughs> and like they're all so rich with spiritual truth. Yeah. It's it's just a great practice of putting these spirit these truths um into action. And it's really incredible how so many people have so many different perspectives and viewpoints that has really been incredible. And second year also provides a lot of service opportunities, which mm-hmm. I love. I love being able to serve and, um, like Christian was saying, being able to lead that way has really been incredible. Um, and to be honest, when I, the thought of second year was not on my radar at all. And then coming has just been such a blessing and so incredible. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, years ago when, when I was the principal, um, Charlie once explained it to me what he would like to see out of the second year programs that the students 
leave here being able to better articulate what it means to be a believer. And in our discussion, and, and, and from that point, we've talked about it more, and what he means is not just in how you talk, but mm-hmm. that you be able to articulate in what you say and in how you live what it means to be in Christ. And uh, and so that was really where the whole the outdoor stuff started. The running <laughs> and we used to have mm-hmm. biking, but the running and the biking, the climbing, yeah. we still do that. Uh, the, the, the camping and, and all of that yeah. was uh, that really came from that, and it was purposeful, you know, to to get you a little bit out of your comfort zone. And people used to just freak out when when I was in charge of it. <laughs> we did some pretty big things, and it scared people <laughs> to to the, the, to the point that some people didn't want to. Do a second, yeah, yeah. Didn't want to even do the second year at all, Uh, and part of it was because we kept it quiet. We wouldn't let the second years talk about it because we always wanted it to be fresh for the next group coming in. Oh man, made them sign a non disclosure. (laughs) Oh, I just threatened them basically. But, but, (laughs) what what we um, but we found it's probably better that we let second years talk about it and. And, um, but basically all we're doing is just more than what the average couch potato would do. It's not like this major, you know, big thing that we're doing. Sometimes it feels like it maybe, but, but it's always been interesting, you know, to hear the observations, like you were Mm -hmm. saying that, uh, you know, the things that the Lord will teach us that hopefully you take with you now and just into your jobs, into your other relationships, just things that you're doing, you know, to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing, you know, how Mm -hmm. he's, you know, the checks that he gives, what he's trying to show us. Um, so anyway, that's, that's encouraging to hear. Um, wow. We're, we're over 28 minutes into this and we haven't talked about Israel yet. Oh man. So let's, let's, let's make a shift here. (laughs) Uh, part of the second year program, uh, about all six years ago, seven years ago, we started doing this, uh, taking, and then for the COVID years, those first two years, we had to take a, uh, a break from it, but now we're back, um, to take the second years to Israel. And so you're the first group to go in a couple of years now because of COVID. Uh, Arlene and I, have we've been offered the trip, I think, three times now. We have to be the only people in the world that have turned this trip down three times. Uh, and it's always been because, of the, well... The first time we, we were gonna we were gonna uh, we were gonna do it, but we asked if we could put it off a few years to do mm. it for one of our I think the twenty fifth anniversary or something like mm. that. And then when that t- year came around, it didn't work out for the hill to send us that time, oh, so that rats. didn't work. And then and the same thing with the next two times. It just the timing wasn't right. So now Arlene and I are looking at each other, thinking, you know what? We're probably because there's plenty of staff that are lining up to go now, and I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe Arlene, you and I just need to plan our own trip and just go because <laughs> it's the, it, it would just be to me it would just be mean to not let any of these other people who are wanting to go go because the two that keep turning it down want to want to sneak in there. But I'm really glad that you guys got to do the trip. Um, t- tell us a little bit about it. Did you did you know coming into the second year that that this trip was going to happen this year? I honestly didn't. Last year they were going to try and then it didn't end up happening. So they offered an Albanian trip Mm -hmm. or a trip to Albania. And actually I got to go on that and it was incredible. Mm -hmm. But coming into second year, I didn't know if we were going to be able to do it or not. Just with everything with COVID and all the complications with that. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Now, Christian, this being your first semester as a second year, you maybe did know that we were going to do this. Yeah, um, especially just living around here and going to Bernie Bible, talking um, with all the staff. Uh, I knew that Israel was going to happen, but personally, I did not 
plan on going. Uh, I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then by the grace of the Lord, uh, beginning of the semester, I was talking to Charlie about it, and someone anonymously donated the entire amount for me to go on the trip. Mm. Praise the Lord. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting to go on it at all, but... And uh, every everybody went right from the second year class uh, except one. Except okay, Caleb okay. Carson. He, okay, um, there was a complication with uh, just vaccination. Get, yeah, the border. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, so um, tell us about the trip. What what was it like just traveling there? What was your uh, you left from here and went through through where? Uh, we um, flew to Chicago first, yeah, and O'Hare. then from there to Tel Aviv. Yep. So we were in the air. Wow, thirteen. Uh, let's see. Well, that was the long flight was like 11. Yeah, it was like 11 and like another like probably like four hours. It was like, yeah, like hours. 15 hours in the air, I okay. think. Plus the layover. Okay. Which was yeah. Like four hours. Yeah, it was a long layover. All right. Was that, was it fun? <laughs> just the, just the <laughs> traveling together? Um, it was an experience. <laughs> um, I think all of us were happy going into it and relieved coming out of it. (laughs) Uh, Planes are are fun for the first like 20 minutes and then you're like, oh, I'm sitting in an uncomfy seat. This (laughs) multiplayer trivia is repeating questions now and I have the option either to go to sleep and accidentally fall asleep on my friend's shoulder or stay up the whole entire time and feel like an insomniac. So, um, it's it's fun for the experience and like the stories. Oh, so many stories! It's hilarious, um, and it's it's fun getting there for sure okay. and like showing up. But I would say, we yeah, the the flight there was a lot easier than the flight back. Yeah. <laughs> the flight back was long, uh, yeah. <laughs> really long. A lot of turbulence. Oh, oh there no. was so much turbulence. Yeah, it was. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. I got a bougie seat on the way back. Did like you? Premium seating. And yeah. that, that was amazing. I, w- I would say one of my highlights of Israel, actually, I ended up sitting <laughs> next to this born-again believer who had been a Catholic um, for years. And he had just come to Christ like 15 years ago. 67 years old. Mm. Sweet man. Loves the Lord so much. Um, and I just got to hear his testimony. Mm. Hear some of the things he's struggling with, which are things that I've struggled with in the past, too. And being able to bond over that, but then also encourage him, because um, he's he's kind of he was in a state um, of kind of sadness, um, and so just being able to be there for each other was amazing. Okay, great, and and um, Grace, just tell us about what your actual traveling there. What was it like for you? Yeah, it was really good. Um, I actually got to share the gospel twice. Really, which was really incredible on the flight. Um, once on the flight and one in our in Chicago on our layover. Yeah, yeah, it was really incredible. Um, the first one happened at the layover. Well, actually, it was kind of three times. The first flight from San Antonio to Chicago, I sat next to a pastor, and I just started talking with him, and then found out that he was a pastor, and so it was really exciting just to meet a brother in Christ and to talk mm. so freely about the Lord. Mm-hmm. That was really encouraging. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, it was just super encouraging. Yeah, and then. We landed in Chicago and had like a four to five hour layover there. It was long, yeah. Yeah, and while I was there, there was, in the airport, there was a piano just like sitting out in the open on, you know, when you're walking through the terminal. And so there was a guy playing it and I thought, oh man, I just want to go play that piano. It was a grand piano. And so 
I asked the, I waited for a little bit and then I asked the guy if I could play and he was like, yeah. So I started playing and then he wanted to show me some song or something. Well, and then we just, I don't even know how it happened. Just transitioning to talk about the Lord and who the Lord was. Mm. And I just got to walk him through, I don't know, through the gospel really. And so that was also super encouraging. Although he wasn't very open to it, but I just think as a believer, it's so encouraging to have those moments to talk about the Lord. And like I was mentioning earlier of how I've just really grown to love the Lord, you talk about what you love. And that was so encouraging for me is just the Lord is my best friend and he is who I want to talk about. Mm. And so even though this guy didn't really uh, accept it and like appreciate that I was talking about it. It was just encouraging for me just to even see that the Lord was strengthening me to talk about him. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible. And then on the flight there, the 11 hour one, I had a long time to talk on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the woman sitting next to me was Jewish. And so she was asking why I was there and really what the importance was, why I was going. And it was really incredible because I was just able to talk about my relationship with the Lord and Jesus is Messiah and he has come and he died and he rose again. And so that was really incredible just to talk about that. And she was shocked that I even knew about some of these Jewish holidays and um, things. Yeah. And it was really encouraging just to talk to her and to get to walk her through Christianity and through loving the Lord and, Mm what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And that was amazing. That's that, that is neat. It, was she Israeli? Yes, she was. Okay. So she was going home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Okay. So let's do this. Why don't you guys give us uh, kind of an overview of what it was like, um, each day and, uh, not each day, J- just give us an overview. What did you do? And yeah. then give each of you, give me uh, a couple of highlights, things that you saw that, that, have you know that really stand out for you okay so how about you grace what just tell us what was how many days were you there we were there for 12 days in all and that was including travel okay but each day we would wake up early stan mon who is our guide he had us up and out of bed no sleeping in for us we were at it and we just really hit the ground with our feet running yes ma'am and so we were up early each day and then we would drive to a site and look at it and then really Stan would kind of walk us through what happened there. We would uh, bring our Bibles with us and we would read like we went to Capernaum and that was really incredible. Mm. And you just read like Jesus was here teaching in the synagogue. Yeah. And those are the sites that stood out to me the most was the places that we know that Jesus was. Right. And we know that that is still the spot. There's a lot of spots that are just us. speculated is that the word right speculated that you know this was where this happened and those are interesting but uh the real like parts that i really appreciated about the trip was this is where this happened you know that's the i was telling arlene the other day that's probably the one thing that is that's the main reason i want to go is i want to go to that one synagogue yeah and that would that would in in capernaum that would be I, i think a highlight for me but what about you christian what was um, so yeah, the, the first half of the trip was the Galilean region and then the second half was, uh, Jerusalem. Okay. Um, and uh, again, going off of grace, like, yeah, it, it was amazing being in places where you knew Jesus was and he stood and he preached the gospel and he did signs and wonders 
And like, you know that for a fact. Um, and personally, I think what even touched me more wasn't the places, but the person of Christ in it. Um, mm. the, in Jerusalem, it was really tough because you just went around to, to all these Catholic churches and synagogues and like the Temple Mount with the Dome of the Rock. And you can just see all these people on their knees crying, mm-hmm. worshiping mm-hmm. rocks and walls mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. locations and places. And it's it's so dead, you know, mm. there there is they're missing the point. It's all these things surrounding Christ and they just miss him mm. and they even miss God the Father. Jews who claim to know God the Father, Catholics who claim to know God the Father, Mm -hmm. and even Jesus, they're missing the point. I remember there was one point uh, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where there was this um, Catholic monk who was shaking incense, and there was these people kissing this rock where they believe Jesus was first wrapped um, to be laid in his tomb, and they're kissing it, and they're crying for it, and this monk is just kicking them out of the way. Yeah. Like, just no care for the humans at all and then the contrast between that place and the garden tomb which was one of the last places we visited um which supposedly is the other place where jesus might have been buried what was so amazing there was there was a volunteer lady who was kind of leading us and she opened up with saying i know many places here you feel like you can't be an outspoken believer but please like just talk jesus feel jesus like just live with Jesus in your heart wherever you go and especially here and then she emphasized it's not about the place yeah this place is cool Jesus might have died here Mm -hmm. Jesus might have been here Jesus was here but he's no longer there but he is in each and every one of our hearts as a believer and he is coming back we don't have to worship anything other than the person of Christ himself and I, I would say that's what stuck with me most was not the place of Israel, mm-hmm. but the life we have with Christ. And it's not dependent on being in Israel. Although it will be amazing to be in the new Jerusalem one day. Mm-hmm. It is not the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But despite that, um, like we were talking earlier, uh, God's faithfulness to Israel as a nation, they are so godless. Israel, one of the main things I noticed was that it was godless. It is so blessed. You just look at the mountains, the hills, the valleys, the plantations. They are so fruitful. And it is so amazing that they're all being brought to the Holy Land and that many of them are being brought to Christ. It's so amazing. Um, and it's just amazing to see that, yeah, that faithfulness. Yeah, that's. The, I wondered if that's not where y- you were going to want to go with some of this because, um, you know, you, we read in Scripture and so often we, you know, we, we, get, we get down. On, on, on the Jews in the Old Testament. Like, what what is wrong with you? Why do you keep screwing up like this? Mm-hmm. And we see how, you know, still to this day, you know, that that they're, they're, it, it's still the case where it's a, it's a dead, spiritually dead place when it should mm-hmm. be the opposite. Yeah. Not because of what's there, but because of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, but then we make the transition and, and, you know, what an incredible reminder of my own life, you know, just how easy it is for me to just, to, to just live, you know, like mere, mere man. Like, you know, Paul gets so upset with, Mm -hmm. with the Corinthians in chapter, uh, first Corinthians chapter three, he says, I have to talk to you like mere men. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You know, by now you should, you know, you should be maturing and you're not. And in all of that, 
you know, even in chapter three there, first Corinthians, it says that, you know, that how we live, you know, how we build on Christ will be tested. And if it's just worthless, it's just burned up. It's nothing but ashes. But he says, yet you will be saved. So as through fire. But, you know, so again, we're just reminded constantly of the faithfulness of God. We get so fixated on our failure. And, 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 you know, like like I've said in class, we get so fixated on our problem Mm -hmm. that we never see the provision. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think that's a good, I think that's a good observation to make as long as we don't leave it there with them. But now, now make it, now bring it, bring it home right here to to myself, to my heart. Where am I? You know, am I? Am I just spiritually dead? Yeah. You know, and and but then don't get fixated on that. Thank right. you, thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in Christ. I ask for your wisdom in this uh, to to abide in Jesus, to be fixed on Him. Yeah. What about you, Grace? What what sticks out? It was really interesting going around to these different sites and seeing people really worshiping the ruins, mm. and that's all they are. It's mm. just ruins. Mm. Yeah. And I think that was probably the most challenging thing for me is I kind of went through the trip, like really expecting this big spiritual moment, you okay. know, to be like, oh yeah, I went to Israel and this happened and my yeah. faith was just really solidified here. And this is, that was the turning point. And I think you hear so many testimonials like that of going to Israel, like it changed my life and it was an incredible trip, but Jesus changed my life. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think, yeah, I, I went uh, into the trip with that heart posture looking for that moment and I just kept waiting for it and it really never came as we mm. were looking through these ruins and walking around and seeing all these incredible sights and people were saying, Jesus was here, Jesus was here. And then I would just keep thinking to myself, but he's not here anymore. Yeah. He's not here anymore. And I think that was something that was at first hard for me and then really encouraging. Like, I was just, um, I was doing my quiet time and just talking to the Lord and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not in these rocks anymore. I'm in your heart. Mm. And that was incredible to me. But like what Christian was saying, we would go to these places and people were worshiping this rock or, um, this was, Jesus would have touched this or something, you know. And you would just go, and it was really hard for me. Mm. Um, but one place I really did like was the garden tomb. Yeah. And we went, and they didn't say this was where it was. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of evidence that would probably point to it. But then again, it's 2,000 years ago. You know, you never right. know. Right. Which, that was another thing that was tough, um, was when people would claim, like, it happened here. And I'm thinking, it's 2,000 years ago. Yeah. But we went, and... Stan Mon, our leader, gave us time to just personally have time with the Lord while we were there. Mm. And it's in a beautiful garden. And so I just, I read my Bible and I read in the account where um, the disciples come and the angels of the Lord are there. And they say, come, see the place where the Lord lay. But now he's risen. Mm. And that was incredible to me because I was like, it was such a good reminder. Mm. I was like, that's right. The Lord says, come look, I'm not here anymore. I'm risen. Mm. And so that was really just probably one of the, my highlights of the trip was seeing that. Okay. And that was, yeah, really incredible for so me. Amazing. Wow. I appreciate that. Did you, uh, did you come across uh, a lot of Jewish believers? Um, 
No. In mm, fact, it yeah. probably came across more like converted Muslim believers. Okay. Um, but what was amazing was the contrast of the four quarters in Old City Jerusalem. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that the was Christian incredible. The Christian quarter was the only like truly peaceful place. Really? Everywhere yeah. else it was chaos. Now explain to the listeners, what do the four quarters consist of? Okay, yes. The, so the, the Christians? The Armenians, uh, the... Muslim the quarter. Muslim quarter and the Jews. Okay. Um, or, yeah, um, and so uh, they're split up, ex- not exactly like quarters, but uh, it's in Old City Jerusalem. So districts. Is, yeah, districts yeah. essentially. Um, that are um, surrounded by like um, a few checkpoints um, here and there, especially near the Temple Mount. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, when every night uh, Stamon would gather us together and we would reflect on our time. And the first time we went in Jerusalem that night, uh, I was just reflecting. And I was like, yeah, it was amazing because we entered in the Jewish quarter. And in there, it was like energetic, relatively chaotic, like almost sad. Um, especially near the Wailing Wall, like mm. you could tell, they just yeah. like they felt like they were missing out on something. Mm. And the next was the Muslim quarter. In the Muslim quarter, it was chaotic, and really? it was people seemed angry, and they seemed like they just wanted to sell to you, and that they just wanted to profit, and and it was so dirty and sad. Um, Armenian quarter just dead, empty. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it was really interesting. Hmm. You walk into the Christian quarter, and you just see the smiles on the clerks' faces. Mm. Um, Bustling with life, really. It's the only place that is relatively, like, quiet, but, like, a good quiet, a peaceful mm-hmm. quiet. Like, mm. um, and um, there's this one person who's a friend of Stan Mons. His name is Zach. Um, and he is, uh, he was converted Palestinian terrorist. Really? And yeah. he actually had a m- ministry for years before he opened up his, like, antiquity shop. Um reaching out to Muslim um, Muslim people and helping convert them. Um, and what he said that will always stick with me so amazing. And like, it is that it may, these Muslim people may seem scary to you, but they are so much more open to talking about God mm. and their hearts are longing for the gospel mm. and they, they want to hear it and they want to talk about it. Um, they just, have never been given the opportunity. I find that interesting. I, I got an Uber ride. I was at up at Timberline last week, and I got an Uber ride from Denver to the airport, and a Muslim was my driver. Mm. That was probably the easiest conversation mm. over spiritual matters and about God and me talking about Christ. Uh, just very open. It was, mm-hmm. it was very... Uh, that's interesting that you say that. Yeah. It, it's, it's eye-opening because... Mm. Uh, kind of going back to the conversation about like, you know, our heart posture with the Lord and how we can be spiritually dead too. Like, it's it's amazing to see that universality that everyone probably, truly deep down craves God. They just don't know it, mm-hmm. and it's amazing that I feel like Muslims, one of the most feared people groups from time to time, with a lot of bad social stigmas against them, they are the group of people who are one of the most open like that's just it changes your perspective on things hmm. um and it's a very hopeful um perspective shift as well that's interesting so the quiet quarter was the christian quarter 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, it just makes you think of peace. Yeah. yeah. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Uh, so basically what you're seeing there is the faithfulness of God in Christ mm-hmm. Amen. in these, in these people. Amen. And that's something, you know, God is faithful. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything else you guys want to share about the trip? Um, I really loved the Sea of Galilee area. Oh, so was beautiful. really incredible. Mm. Oh and Stan took us up to this lookout point and it was like for the first time I was able to picture all of what I'd been reading about mm. my entire life. He started pointing out, um, this is the Mount of Beatitudes. This is where, uh, this is Capernaum. This is Magdala. You know, all these places that I've read about my entire life. And then it just came to life. And then also we were on the Sea of Galilee. And that was an incredible moment to mm-hmm. think Jesus walked on this water. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was really something so special. But one of my favorite places was where... David killed Goliath. Okay. Because you read about it and you think, oh my goodness, they're in this valley and then these two mountains and this is crazy. This must be so huge. But when you get to Israel, everything is pretty small and pretty close together. Um, And that was incredible. We saw like the stream where he would have picked up the five stones. And that was probably one of the moments where the Bible just came alive. Mm -hmm. And you just read it and you go, these are real people. You know, David literally stood here and picked up five stones. And so that was really incredible. Um, that yeah, it was probably one of my highlights was just honestly seeing the geographical location of these yeah. places. Because you realize like, oh yeah, they could have walked here or it, something, you know. Yeah, it makes it that much more real. Mm. Like we, we know as believers, without seeing Israel at all, that the Bible is the real living word of God. And being able to see those places exist. They definitely exist, and they existed back then. It's so amazing. But yeah, going off of what Grace said, and also one of our classmates said um, another day when we were just um, reflecting back on the trip, is God uses the unremarkable yet beautiful. Mm. He used that valley where David killed Goliath to make an amazing story come to life, and he used David, an unremarkable shepherd boy, um, to become king and a shadow of what christ is he used christ a carpenter from nazareth where people said nothing good came from Mm -hmm. to die for our sins and give us new life like it is so amazing that god's not going to use the like big picture entertaining things god didn't use goliath to become king he he uses the small easy to pass by things and that's so amazing with Israel because it, it is, it's small, easy to pass by. Um, it's been the focus of a lot of news recently, but um, even so, I feel like Israeli people are, are passed by and, and God mm. uses them still to this day. Mm. And and there's hope in that and it is so amazing. Um, and so, yeah, that, that really stuck out to me. But yeah, the the visuals, it's, it's amazing. Like, yeah, I didn't want to talk down the places at all. The places are cool. Um, they're not everything, but they are beautiful mm. because God's creation is beautiful and his holy land is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Something else that stood out to me was, um, Stan took us to the Jericho road, which mm. is where the Valley of the shadow of death would be. <laughs> and it was incredible. It was so cool. Mm. It was this huge, deep ravine mm-hmm. that was just 
barren completely. It is the desert that you would expect in a lot of Bible stories. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it was like everything I pictured of the parable of the Good Samaritan on the Jericho Road. Mm. And you just see like these little hideout spots where thieves could come Hmm. and attack. But something that stood out to me was this was where David would have written Psalms 23. Mm. And in Psalms 23, it talks about just these lush green pastures, or that's what I would have. That's what I picture when I think of it. And it's, it's not, Mm. it's not like super green. It's Mm. rocky, dirty. Yeah. And, um, you know, things change obviously over 2000 years, but on, on these Hills, it's basically green enough to barely pasture a flock and then keep moving, moving on. And Stan gave us some alone time there. And I just sat down and read Psalms 23 and made observations on each verse. And sometimes I think that when the Lord, when we read that verse of, you know, he'll take you by green pastures and you think, oh yes, it's going to be this incredible amount of just overwhelming peace Mm and um, really, I guess, just good health and, you know, all these things that you can picture to be, yeah, perfection. And really, it's sustaining. The Lord sustains you. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that was just so incredible because the land is so barren out there. And yet you see these psalms that David is writing. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is so good. So maybe you're challenged to rethink what it means to be thankful. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, Yeah. it brings me back to Philippians 4. Paul says he knows how to get by with a lot and very little Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know this the secret is we can do all things through christ who strengthens us amen and yeah and again with that verse we take it out of context we think oh god's going to give us christ is going to give us an immense amount of strength to overcome literally everything so we can reach the perfect outcome but no Mm. god strengthens us by sustaining us Mm. That strength is our sustenance and he, his word is our sustenance and his blood is our sustenance and his cross is our sustenance and his life is our sustenance. And that is all we need. And it doesn't have to be big and awesome and better than everything else. Even though it is all those things, it just doesn't have to look like that. I appreciate you, you guys bringing this to this to this point uh, you know it makes me we've talked about on the podcast before about Romans 8 you know 28 God causes all things to work together for good mm-hmm. okay well we get fixated on that verse and not go on and read to get the whole context because you know we, we stop there and we because uh, it's easy for us to right away start to decide what good is mm-hmm. God's working everything for good and this is what's good but the next verse 29 tells us what his good is and that's conforming us to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. Jesus is his good. Jesus is, and then Colossians tells us that you find all of God in Christ. So, you know, what more could we ever want? There's nothing more to want. Yeah. And, you know, but we miss out on all that he is because we've decided what good is. We've yeah. decided what we want, mm-hmm. what is good what we need and when he's given us all of himself in Christ and for some reason we can't be content with everything or we messed up Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. well I appreciate it guys thank you so much for sharing this with us um, and and for leaving us with Jesus 
You know, if what we're talking about doesn't start with, contain, and leave us with Jesus, then we've just wasted our time. That's right. And so I, I really appreciate the time you've given us and, and the things you've shared and taken us to Jesus. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thank Kelly. You. Shalom. Thanks for listening to the His Hill podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed hearing from two of our second years, Grace Nicholas and Christian V. Hill, regarding the recent second year venture to Israel over spring break. With spring break behind us, the end of the year is now in sight. There is always so much growth that takes place during each semester, but especially at the end of it all. Please keep praying for our students that they would fill themselves with the truths they hear each day and treasure them in their hearts, both now and forevermore. Once again, you've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Grace Nicholas and Christian B. Hill. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.